Thanks for checking out our Legacy Church podcast. We know you'll be blessed and encouraged. Now here's today's message. Well, I want to look at a passage of scripture today, a great story, a great day that was recorded in history for us to learn from. And it's in Mark 6. And I'll begin with verse 34. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him, said, this is a remote place. It's already very late. And they're telling Jesus, send the people away so that they can go to surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, that would take more than a half year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Just picture this. It goes on in Mark 6. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on the, on the land. And he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And shortly before the dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. And they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage, it is, it is I don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Today I want to talk about this day that happened in the life of the disciples, in the life of Jesus. And specifically looking at verse 52 in Mark 6, where it says, they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. There were two storms that were recorded in the book of Mark, chapter 4 and chapter 6. And in both cases, the disciples were overtaken by fear and lack of trust. And it's interesting that in both cases, Jesus calmed the storm. Now that's good news because we learn that, that the Lord's goodness isn't dependent upon you. The Lord's goodness isn't dependent upon your perfection. 
his disciples, with Jesus every day, seeing what he's able to do, what he's capable of doing. And yet they struggled in fear and lack of faith. But Jesus still calmed the storms. I'm here to tell someone today, I don't care how small your faith is, Jesus still cares about you and will calm the storms in your life. Come on, let's give God praise that he's gracious. He's gracious. See, the key is not your goodness. The key is you staying in the boat with Jesus. That's the key. But the Bible says that the disciples failed to understand about the loaves. What did the disciples fail to understand? To put this story in context, imagine over 5,000 people. It says, the Bible says that 5,000 men. So it doesn't count the women and children. So most likely there's 15,000 people that are following Jesus. There's 15,000 people desperate to, to seek after possibly someone who can fill their emptiness, someone who can help them in their struggle. They're with their, their kids and their wives and they're traveling from everywhere because they hear there might be somebody that can help me. They were starving for truth. They were starving for someone to give them hope in a world that was so hopeless. And they would drag their family and what little they had and they would come amongst a throng of people looking for answers. See, in today's day and age, we look for answers. We have a lot of things in our lives that we will look to and try to find peace from. And, but in this day, they had nothing. They barely had food. And so we see here that in Mark 6.34, Jesus looks at these people and he has compassion on them. And the Bible says in Mark 6.34, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus sees you in your lostness. Jesus sees you in your struggle. Jesus sees you in your sin, in your failures. Jesus sees you in the brokenness that you might be experiencing. And listen, he doesn't look at you with eyes of judgment. He looks at you with a heart of compassion. We need to understand the character of Christ. Understand the heart of Christ. And it says that he began teaching them many things. So these are people starving spiritually and they're starving naturally. Many of them probably had no food and they hear that Jesus does miracles and they're coming for natural food. They're coming for spiritual food. And what does Jesus focus in on first? Bible says he began teaching them 
many things. He focused in on their spiritual need. The disciples focused in on their natural need. The disciples focused in on what are we going to do? We're going to use all our money to help these people? They immediately started looking at the natural. Jesus focused in on the spiritual. See, let me say this. Having pancakes with your family on Sunday morning will not do for you what worshiping with your family will do for you. See, people think, oh, we need to have pancakes on Sunday morning. We have family time. That's the natural thinking. That's how the disciples would think in this passage, this story, in this story. And this is what they failed to understand. Jesus saw the true need, which was the hunger of their spirit, of their soul. Trust me, I, I want blueberry pancakes more than anybody. <laughs> Banana pancakes used to be my favorite, now blueberry pancakes are my favorite. But blueberry pancakes isn't going to give me what I need. Jesus is going to give me what I need. In Matthew 4, 4, the Bible says, it is written, it is recorded. This is so important that it is written for us. Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. When you are in a storm, bread and fish are not going to help you. You need Jesus. When you're in a storm and you're just seeing the winds and the waves, bread and fish is not going to help you. You need Jesus. You better get in the boat with Jesus. But Jesus is so merciful. He's so compassionate that we see in the story that Jesus cares for every need. He cares for every need you have. So he asks his disciples, how many loaves do you have? He sees that they're worried about, you know, how they're going to feed all these people because they were probably hungry. And so he asks them, how many loaves do you have? And in John 6, it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, speaks up. And he says, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But listen, even though they have seen and know about Jesus and seen all he had done in miracles and so forth, his response was natural again. But how far will they go among so many? See, the disciples fail to understand who Jesus really was and what his heart was. So their, this, their response, again, was a natural one. Fear, worry, lack of trust. They had the same response when they were in the boat and they see the winds and the waves. Fear, worry, and lack of trust. So the disciples, like us and our humanity... Their eyes focused in on the wind and the waves 
on the problem, on the circumstance, on the lack. Jesus comes along and says, with a Rhode Island accent, what's wrong with you guys? What is wrong with you guys? Don't you remember the loaves? There's the wind and the waves. We're going to drown. We're going to shipwreck. And Jesus says, don't you remember the loaves? This all happened in the same day. Not only were 15,000 people fed, but you guys, look, you have 12 baskets left. Don't you remember the loaves? You're so focused on the wind and the waves. Don't you remember? See, I call this message six things to remember when you're in a storm. Jesus says, don't you remember? Don't you remember when you said to me, I don't have enough money. I only make this. I only have five loaves and two fish. How do you expect me to pay my bills? How do you expect me to, to honor you with my tithe? I don't have enough money. How do you expect me to do this and do that? I don't have enough money. Jesus says, don't you remember the loaves? Don't you remember when you said that before and I supplied all your needs? Don't you remember when you've been in this position in many years ago and you said the same thing and you've been okay ever since? Don't you remember the loaves? Don't you remember when you said to me, I don't have a college degree, Jesus. I'm stuck in this dead-end job. I could never get a better job. How am I going to take care of my family? Don't you remember saying that to me? And where are you now? How about the, new, the job that I gave you? How about you always having enough? Don't you remember... Don't you remember? Don't you remember? Don't you remember? We have to remind ourselves about the loaves and the fish. I remember when I was in banking and I was asked to come on staff at the church and leave my career. And it was a giant pay cut. And, you know, and, and I, I was afraid. I was afraid. I was looking at the wind and the waves. How am I going to do this? I have a wife, I have a kid. How am I going to do this? But I knew it was the calling of God. And I remember saying to the Lord, God, how am I going to do this? Like, you know, I'm going to have more kids. How am I going to put them in college? How am I going to do this on the salary I'm going to be making? How am I going to do this? And you know, when God sends a prophet to the church, and he comes to us and he prophesies, don't worry about your children. I will take care of their education. And every once in a while, I have to remember what God has done in my life. And I look at my, my children and God has taken care of their education. And the Lord would say, don't ever forget 
Don't ever forget. Remember, 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 remember what he's done for you. Remember, I am a healer. I'm a savior. I'm a friend. I'm a faithful friend. Don't forget that. Don't forget I am compassionate. I'm loving. I'm forgiving. I'm a God who's with you, not against you. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget when the devil comes and starts lying to you. Remember the loaves. Remember the fishes. Remember who I am and what I've done for you. Don't forget. So I want to give us six things to remember in a storm. We pray for the people in Florida and what they're going through. And we ask the Lord, Lord, show them that you are faithful. Amen. Hear the world's prayers for them. But number one, remember God works with what you have. God works with what you have. God will take even the little that you have, the five loaves and two fishes, and he'll stretch it. How many have seen the stretching hand of God? Come on. How many have seen the stretching hand of God? How many of you prayed when you're driving on fumes? A lot of you. I remember we went uh, skiing when we were younger. Before we had kids, we went skiing with uh, Pastor Steve and Pastor Nancy and Pastor Mike, Pam. And, um, and we got up to wherever we were going. I think it was New Hampshire. And it was really late at night. And we had no gas. Or we had a little Honda Civic. And we had no gas. We were feeling the car sputter. <laughs> And we're like, and it's dark. Everything's closed. And we're pulling up to, you know, all the, the other cars and saying, we have no gas. We're going to run out of gas in the middle of the mountains, nowhere. And so we pray, God, you're going to help us. You're going to multiply the gas. And so we see a, a closed gas station. We pull up at a gas station and we would grab the hose all the hoses and shake the gas out into the tank and then we drive a little bit further we see another gas station we pull up grab all the hoses move up and we made it in the name of Jesus God stretched what little we had but God has a way of doing that God has a way of doing that give him what little you have See, some of you don't believe me. I'm telling you. My mother, who grew up, you know, in poverty, understanding what it means to, be, to starve, she was very frugal. And God would take what little she had. And I saw this growing up. Say, how do we have this stuff? They work in factories. They do their taxes. And I said, how do we live? God would take what little they had because my mom would pray. They have a dryer still in the house. It's 50 years old. Still going. I say, God, you are faithful. You are faithful. 
you are faithful. God will keep your axle from breaking on the highway. I've heard a lot, a lot of stories. Some of you, your axles are breaking all the time. They say, I can't believe it. my axle broke, but thank God I wasn't on the highway. Thank God I rolled right into my driveway. Thank God. Happened to us. God will take what little you have if you trust him and you declare who he is over your life. God is my provider. God is my savior. God is my healer. God is my deliverer. God is my friend. God believes in me. Even when I stumble and fall down, he's there to hold, pick me back up. How awesome are you, God? How good are you, God? See, the Lord says, his disciples, you forgot about the loaves and the fish. That was just this morning. Number two, remember God knows you. Listen, you got to get this in your spirit. Because you think God knows the pastor. You think God knows your neighbor. Because somehow you think they're better than you. They're holier than you. God knows you. He knows you. He knows you by name. He created you before you in your mother's womb. He knows you. He knows all your imperfections. He knows all your flaws. You know what I don't like about my wife? <laughs> Is... She knows what I'm going to do and say before I do it. It's terrible. And she'll say to me, you know you can't get away with anything, right? And I says, I know. Trust me. I just think and you tell me what I'm thinking. Husbands, is, am I telling the truth about your wife? <clears throat> Women have a keen sense of discernment. And my wife, her eyes, everyone, you know, wherever we go, strangers say, wow, you have amazing eyes. And so, yeah, they're piercing too. They pierce right through you. Uh, my, my kids and, and, and me, we look at my wife and say, you know, just looking at you, we feel guilty. <laughs> but God knows you in Luke 12, 7. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth, you, you, you are worth more than these sparrows that God takes care of. We have to renounce the lies of the devil and say, the Lord sees me as worthy because of what Jesus did for me in my life. Amen? He believes in you so much, he died for you. For you, for you. You know, when you read this story, and we mentioned that, that they say there's only 5,000 people. They say 5,000 men were there. There was no acknowledgement of women and children. Isn't it interesting? Throughout history, there's always been classes of people that are not acknowledged. The poor, those without. But Jesus always elevates that class. 
He loves everybody. He loves everybody. He calls everybody to himself. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what you, you're doing right now. He calls everyone to himself so that he can fix you. He can teach you. He teaches you spiritually first. Because when you are whole spiritually, then your natural life gets better. But if you're sick spiritually, you will never have a life that's blessed in the natural. And that's why he focused in on teaching them spiritually first. And that's what we do here as the church. Is we're trying to, to help people become whole spiritually whole because when Jesus gets a hold of you and starts healing you, everything changes. Come on, how many people here can say, let me tell you, if you had met me before Christ, you would not like me. Come on, raise your hands. The rest of you are lying, but raise your hand. God will turn your inferiority into superiority. He makes you the heir of salvation. He gives you angels that are at your disposal. I don't know about you, but every time I get on a plane, I, I pray. I ask the angels. says, angels, you know I don't like turbulence. I've been in it before where the plane drops. I don't like that. I say, angels, one on that wing... One on that wing. Take me safely to where I'm going. Take me safely to go back. Because the Bible says angels are ministering spirits unto the heirs of salvation. I take advantage of that scripture and I call upon angels. God will take your inferiority. The, the devil will make you feel inferior. God makes you feel superior. Because I am an overcomer in Christ. I can do all things with Christ who strengthens me. Let me tell you, devil, you don't know. But Jesus is always with me. Angels are always with me. You want to mess around with me? Talk to Jesus. Deal with my angels. Number three. Remember to be thankful for what you do not have. And God will bless you. I'm sorry. Remember to be thankful for what you do have. And God will bless you with what you don't have. See, Jesus in Mark 6.31, he gave thanks. Jesus gave thanks. Jesus gave thanks. And he broke the loaves. The more grateful you are, the more it will be given to you. You know, as, as a parent, if your kids aren't grateful, you're not going to give them anything more. But if they're grateful, your hand opens up. Important to be grateful for what you do have. Why would a boss, an employer, bless an employee who is not grateful? I wouldn't. Cast that critical spirit off of you. I am so grateful for the house of God. I can't wait to come to church. 
I can't wait to be around brothers and sisters in Christ. I am grateful because I remember what it was like before church, before Jesus, before having faith-filled friends. I remember and I remind myself and I, and I know why David said I was, I was, what's the scripture? I was glad. I would say happy. I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord because he knew what it was like not to be in the house of the Lord. Be grateful. So many people criticize their pastors. They criticize their leaders. They criticize their church. There's nothing good enough. There's not, well, you better die and go to heaven and start your own church. But I thank God that he's not like that. He's loving, compassionate. That's, that's the God I want in my life. That's the God you want in your life. Number four, remember God is worth the wait. God is worth the wait. Do you know, I love Jesus. Because here's the disciples. They're worried about these 15,000 people, how they're going to feed them. And they're worried about all the natural things. And Jesus could have said, all right, move over, guys. And everyone ends up with loaves of Italian bread cheese that we talked about last week and fish the Lord could have cooked the fish he could have had it all nice and grilled from heaven he could have just boom and everyone has food but he didn't do that it takes his sweet time and he tells the disciples yeah there's about 15,000 people there I want you to break them up into 50s and 100s Jesus, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? They're from Rhode Island too. Are you kidding me? There's tons of people. Tons of people out there. The Lord didn't care. He has all the time in the world. And I look at that passage of scripture and there's some things that you can get out of it. You know, first of all, good food is worth the wait. You go to restaurants that cook to order, you have to wait. You have to wait. Well, good food from the Lord is worth the wait. And Jesus has a way of cooking to order. You know how you order from the Lord? You pray. You pray in your order. And he's worth waiting for. Whatever your prayer is, the Lord is worth waiting for. He's cooking to order. Looked out there. Some people had babies cooking in their, their womb that the Lord had to cook up from heaven. You got a special child coming that you waited for. It took the Lord some time to create what he's cre wanted to create for you. But you know... I make a mean sauce. All right, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> and my kids call my sauce Ron Goo. <laughs> but the reason my sauce is so good is not because I take all the ingredients and throw them in. I take one ingredient at a time. 
and let it simmer. Then I add the next ingredient and let it simmer. And my sauce is worth waiting for. God's blessing in your life is worth waiting for. Single people, God's blessing is worth waiting for. Married people, God's blessing is worth waiting for. Because what God makes is perfect for you. Remember. I also think, you know, that Jesus was creating fellowship. He takes a crowd and he says, let's have some crews. And he breaks them down in the 1500s. Because now, you're not just part of the crowd, you become part of a family. You know, and they're talking about what are they doing? They're breaking us up. What's your name? How many kids do you have? And they're hanging out together. And they're, they're getting ready for what's going on, what's happening. And they're talking. And then the Lord does his miracle. And all these people now know one another. And I believe it's like, it was like the Lord was starting little churches everywhere. And they all have an incredible testimony they go back with and they, they gather. Now they know the people. Let's get together. Let's pray. Let's, let's thank God for what he's done. Let's pray for Jesus, what he's doing. It's amazing what happened that day. And I believe that you can miss God. Listen to me. You can miss God. I'm going to have the worship team come up. You can miss God. Some people miss God that day. It's too hot. It's too cold. I got turkey cooking at home. I'm hungry and we, we got to go home and have some pancakes. And they miss God. They miss what Jesus was about to do because they didn't consider it worth the wait. You can miss God. And you can... Go off into your flesh and your carnal nature and self-will and make a mess because you weren't willing to wait. The people that gathered in 50s and 100s, they saw the greatest miracle to ever happen on earth where God took those loaves and fish and he multiplied them. You can sometimes go even from church to church church to church and never plant your roots deep enough. Never stay long enough for God to do the incredible miracles that he wants to do and for you to have testimonies that you can pass on to your kids and security and stability and longevity which produces legacy and you see, you know, Christian butterflies floating from place to place and never getting their roots deep enough to experience the miracles that God wants to have in their lives. Number five, remember God uses the breaking for your making. When Jesus broke the bread, it multiplied. Let me say this again. When Jesus broke the bread, it multiplied. When the disciples passed the bread, it multiplied, which is number six. Remember, multiplication of blessing comes as you pass it on. When Jesus broke the bread, it just kept multiplying. 
And Jesus, think about this. He says, this is my body broken for you. What did that break-in produce? The salvation of the world. Breaking brings humility in your life. Breaking isn't, for a believer, it's not a bad thing. If you're in a time when you're going through a storm and you feel like you're breaking, get ready. Get ready. He's worth the wait. Get ready. A miracle is coming. Get ready. A miracle is coming. God shows up in the breaking. And God will put blessing into your hand if he can trust you to pass it on. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with family and friends. It helps so much. For more content with Legacy and to connect with us, go to LegacyChurchRI.com. The best is yet to come.